Money Pit is presented by Home Advisor. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here for you to help you on this warm summer day with your home improvement projects. Help yourself first. Pick up the phone and call us at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974. Or post your question online to the Money Pit's community page at Pit. Dot com. Any job, big or small, do it right or not at all. That's my new slogan. I, see. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> you know, it, it came to me uh, in a fortune cookie for my dinner last night. <laughs> no way. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm serious. Isn't that funny? That was that's my like fortune. That's a great one. That was my fortune. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Any job, big or small, do it right or not at all. But we, that's we, like we perfect. Agree with that. It's perfect. So that's Money perfect for you. Money fortune cookie. There you go. Give us a call, 888-666-3974. Coming up this hour, you know, with all the water that we are plowing through in summer, there are a lot of folks driving demand for water-efficient faucets and toilets and sprinklers and the like. But how do you know if the new efficient plumbing can do the same job? We're going to have the lowdown on low-flow faucets, fixtures, and sprinklers coming up. And here's another summertime headache, sticky doors. Are you dealing with this around your money pit? You know, it's because of all the humidity, and this is the time of year when doors start to swell, and then they swell and get stuck in their openings, but there is an easy fix. We're going to tell you how to make that door work year-round, regardless of the weather. And between sky-high electric bills and expensive heating costs to come, is this the year you're finally getting ready to replace those leaky or drafty windows? We're going to have tips on the best way to get that project done and be able to enjoy year-round energy-saving summer and winter. And we know you guys love to be online. Everybody's searching for things left and right. But are you guys on Pinterest? You know, it's such a fun site. And we're so happy to see that over a 100,000 of our audience visits us every month for great ideas on everything from decorating to energy efficiency. Now, when you go on Pinterest, you can pin articles, blogs, and more directly from our website with our pin it button. And then you can share our pins or pin your own great ideas to our boards. You can find it all on the official Money Pit Pinterest page. And if you aren't on Pinterest yet, get a friend to invite you. It is definitely worth it. You can search anything and everything and get a ton of great ideas. All right, let's get to your questions. The number again, 888-MONEY-PIT. Leslie, who's first? Kelly in Illinois is on the line with a foundation issue. Tell us what's going on. It's very complicated. I'll try to keep this as simple as I can. But we, having had our house for 22 years, suddenly water was coming in through one of the basement window wells. It's not an egress size window, just a small window in the basement. And so we it's we think it's primarily because the grade is negative now. And it's all you can see, even with your eyes, that it's definitely sloping down towards that window well. Okay. So we need to regrade everything and fix it all, you know, so it's a positive grade, you know. But the big issue that's in my mind now is a lot of landscapers, if you get them to come over to regrade around the base of your house, they just mm-hmm. seem to want to throw soil up on there and not worry yeah. about waterproofing or right. stuff like that. So I was researching on the Internet, and it seems to me like a lot of sites and even books say you should have a four- to six-inch clearance before that soil starts. Before, you know, you don't want soil touching the bottom of your siding or even the bottom of your brick. Our house happens to be brick, not facade, real brick. But you don't want that soil right up on there. So, um, but yet I'll have people coming over all the time, so-called experts saying, oh, it'll be fine. I've done it this way for years. It won't matter. 
And I don't want the foundation of my house and the poured concrete walls of our basement to crack. Yeah, that's not going to be an issue. So let me put your mind at ease. First of all, yes, if you have wood, typical wood framing, you don't. You have a brick house. But if you had wood framing, you do not want to have the soil to cover the siding because the wood's right behind it. And the concern is insect infestations and rot. But since you have a largely masonry house of a poured concrete foundation and bricks, brick walls, you can go ahead and put the soil up as high as it needs to be. What you need to be careful of, though, is this. The landscapers like to work with topsoil because that's what they work with every day. What you need to do if you're trying to make a drainage improvement is use clean fill dirt first. That's what you build up the slope with is fill dirt. It it's, doesn't look like topsoil. It's not organic. It packs really well. It looks a little bit like the sort of the golden brown color of a pitcher's mound. And once you get that slope established, you can put topsoil over that, or you can put mulch, or you could put stone, or, or whatever you want to put on it. But you've got to build up that grade first. And you want it to drop about six inches over four feet. So I would focus on that, and then whatever top cover you want to put over it, and then also pay careful attention to your gutters and your downspouts. Make sure they're extended out well away from the house and that the gutters are clean because that's even more important than the grade if you want to keep your basement dry. Yes. Yeah, we were. And But I'm not sure what you mean by fill dirt. Are you saying that this dirt has some clay in it? It could, yes. It could have some clay in it, and that's fine because, again, you're just using this to fill in the area that's that's settled, and then you'll put topsoil over it. No, it's called clean fill dirt. Take a look at our website at moneypit.com. We've got uh, an article there on how to fix a wet basement, and it explains it very specifically. Oh, cool. Okay, I didn't know that. But but also the uh, rubber-type membrane that you can paint or trowel on there or something like that. You're talking about on the walls? Well, on the very bottom layer of brick, if I'm going to have soil go up against that brick, it still makes me nervous to have dirt touching that brick. It's not necessary. It's organic. It's not an organic surface. It's not going to rot. It's not going to decay. And there's no difference, really, between having it against the stone, having it against the poured concrete foundation and having it against the brick. They're both masonry products. I would not worry about it. You want to do anything and slow down moisture and do it, you could put a brick sealer on there. You could put a masonry sealer on there. But I really don't think it's necessary to tar it. Well, not real tar, that rubber stuff. Same idea, though. Same concept. Somebody told me today that uh, concrete does wick, so it will absorb water and it will crack from water. Almost every home in America has made out of concrete or concrete block. And so it's typical for the soil to be right against that. Yes, you could put a sealant on there if it's below grade. And if that makes you feel better, you certainly could do that. But I think just to adjust the grade that you're talking about, it's really not going to be that big of a deal. Okay. Well, all right. I'm, I, I think I'm telling you what everybody else told you, but I'm telling you because I'm telling you this, and I'm not I'm not the guy that's going to sell you the work. Okay, so take it for what it is. It's independent advice. I don't I don't think it's an issue. Thank you. All right. Good luck. <laughs> Larry in Texas is on the line, looking for some help with a new roof. What's going on? Well, we have a 15 year old uh, roof. We put 30 uh, year timberline shingles on originally about 15 years ago. We had a hailstorm. I had the insurance adjuster come out and take a look at it, and he said, yes, you need to replace it. Um, he said, we've got about 35 squares to tear off and 39 to replace. Okay. He uh, uh, estimated 15-pound felt for most of it, but 30-pound felt for our 12-12 pitch. Um, he suggested uh, roofer company A uh, that suggested uh, shingle brand one, and okay. I have worked with a roofer B 
who said, no, we probably ought to go with shingle brand, too. Are they both name brand shingles? Uh, yes, I can name them if you want. Yeah, are they dimensional shingles? So do they look like the Timberline that you mentioned that you had before? Uh, yes, they, they will be very similar to the Timberline dimensional. Yeah. And um, do they both have the same warranty? I think they both carry 30-year, although one, I have not seen written copy from either one. And and uh, one of them indicated that after 10 years, uh, the warranty may taper off. All these roofers, all these contractors, they've all got their sort of attitudes and practices, and they <laughs> like one over the other. But let me tell you something. The, the differentiator on a roofing installation is not as much the shingle as it is the guy doing the shingles, the shingler, so to speak, because it all comes down to workmanship. And if the workmanship is not rock solid, it doesn't matter how good that shingle is. You're still going to have problems. And so okay. I would make my decision based on which roofer I was most confident in could do a good job. And whatever product he's comfortable working with, then I would just accept that product and not try to force him to use uh, another one. But the devil is in the details. You know, it's about the flashing, for example, and the underlayments and the ice and water shield and things like that. Uh, if you get a roofer that does a really good job with those details, then you're not going to have any issues. The adjuster missed one skylight in his estimate. He also missed one roof jack. And he said, oh, well, we can pick that up when the roofer does his job. Is that common industry practice. I don't know what he means when he says he can pick that up. If he missed it in his estimate, then I think you need to ask him to go back and revise the estimate to add the elements in that he missed. Because while you got this guy's attention and while he's in the, into the job and, and you guys are talking on a regular basis, I would just I would ask him to revise it. It should be no big deal for that to happen. We don't want this to go to uh, installation and then then there's a pavement dispute, you know, three months from now or something, and, and nobody remembers what was said to who and when. <laughs> so, yeah, you want to get it in writing. You're right. If you mix the count up, if you, you know, if you add six skylights and he wrote down five, then you make him change it. That's not okay, a big deal. Well, you can do it I now. did a lot of quoting when I was still in the working world, and, yeah, uh, counts are important. Yep. That's uh, his job. One, one quick note. Uh, my wife wanted a fishing tank out in front of the house and had one contractor dig that one, and it didn't hold water, had another contractor say, I can do that. So I have called it my money pit with <laughs> apologies to your program. Well, that's okay. We will lend it to you for that purpose. You say a fishing tank. Is that like a like a goldfish pond, like that kind of thing? Uh, no, it was about a three-quarter acre pond. Oh, my goodness. Wow. But here in Texas, they're called tanks. Okay. Well, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Is there anything living in that uh, in that fish tank right now? Uh, no, it's not holding water, so uh, <laughs> I'm going to put more money into it and fill it back in. Oh, boy. All right. Well, listen, whatever it takes to make your wife happy, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us, Larry, at 888-MONEY-PIT. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Give us a call. We know it's hot in lots of parts of this country. So if you are working on an outdoor project, we're going to help you stay cool and create a project that you can do quickly and get back into the air conditioning. Or maybe you're working on something inside. Whatever it is, we're here to lend a hand 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Just ahead, you have doors that swell and stick because of all this summer humidity? We'll have the step-by-step solution next. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? 
That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than a 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. The Money Pit is presented by Home Advisor. Find trusted home improvement pros for any project at homeadvisor.com. Where home solutions live, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now with your how-to or decor question at 888-MONEY-PIT, presented by Home Advisor, where you can find top-rated home service pros, compare prices, and book appointments online, all for free. Joanne in Ohio is on the line and has an issue with mold. What can we do for you today? I have two decks in my backyard. One of them seems to be fine, but the second one, which has a very large dog pen on it, has developed a lot of mold over the winter. And my thought is to buy a lot of bleach and to dilute it and just scrub the mold off. But perhaps you have something better that you could tell me to do. There's a much more effective way to get that deck clean. It's a product called Spray and Forget. And just as the name implies, you spray it onto the deck surface and you don't do anything else. You forget about it. And it essentially goes to work immediately. And within a few days, it will degrade and destroy the mold, mildew, algae, and moss that forms on your deck. Uh, Can I then have it repainted? Sure. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could paint it after that. But the thing is, if you use a lot of bleach, you end up potentially damaging all the landscaping that's around that as well. So I would definitely recommend Spray and Forget. Is this uh, come like in a canister or a powder or something? comes in a bottle. It's a no-mix bottle. In a bottle. Yep. You can find it at lots of places. I think Home Depot has it and uh, many other retailers. Their website is SprayAndForget.com. Very good. I will definitely do that. And it's safe for pets, too? Yes. It's it's biodegradable. It's a safe, non-corrosive uh, product that works really well. It's also a great roof cleaner. Sometimes you get like moss and it discolors your roof shingles. You can spray this on your roof. It does the same thing. Oh, that's wonderful. I am going to purchase this. Thank you so much for your information. Happy to help you out. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Thank you. Well, if you've got doors in your home that stick due to the summer humidity, you don't have to put up with them. To fix a sticking door, the first thing you need to do is to figure out exactly where around the door the stick actually begins. So what you want to do is open and close the door slowly until you spot the exact area where it's sticking. Now, if you want a visual guide, here's a trick of the trade. You can take a piece of chalk and color the top of the door where it seems to stick. And then when you close the door, that chalk will transfer to the spot of the jam 
where it's sticking. And now you'll know exactly where you need to work that repair. Yeah. Now there's a bunch of things that sometimes cause this outside of the humidity and you can see what the issues are by that mark there. Now, first of all, you can tighten the hinges. This really is one of the most common reasons that doors do stick. It's because that they have loose hinges and then it gets out of alignment. And if the door is out of alignment, it's obviously not opening or closing correctly. So you can tighten those hinges and that'll help the door shift just enough to free up the area that's sticking. Now, the other option is to just simply sand the door, which has the effect of fitting the door to the frame. It's super easy. You're going to have to sand just a little bit off or perhaps a lot, depending on where that mark is and seeing how much is sticking. So to do that, you want to take a piece of rough sandpaper and rub it firmly along the section of the door that's been sticking. Your goal there is to bring down the size of the door by a fraction of an inch before you test it again. Now, repeat the process until you've sanded down all of those sticky points and the door no longer sticks in the frame, but try not to overdo it. Once your door fits well, you can use finer sandpaper, get finer and finer and finer to smooth the rougher edges and then prep the door to paint. Yeah, and once it is fitting properly, you do want to make sure you paint it or seal it with a clear finish because otherwise you'll have an open area of the wood that can absorb more moisture and perhaps actually swell the door again. So pretty simple, straightforward process. Don't tolerate it. Fix it. It's easy to do. We've got more tips on how to fix doors that swell on moneypit.com. Tim in Illinois is on the line and looking to tile a bathroom. How can we help you with your project? We're doing a bathroom in a 100-year-old house, and... We're looking at putting floor tile down, possibly with heat under the tile, and I was wondering what the best way to do it by putting the tile on. Do you need to go right to the subfloor, or do you have to have some kind of concrete board underneath the tile with uh, doing heat under the floor? Well, I mean, sometimes the heat is actually put underneath the subfloor itself, so that's another way to do it from the backside. It depends on your access issues, but... There's a special type of subfloor that's designed for radiant heat or subslab heat, where, especially if it's PEX-based, the piping runs through a channel in the subfloor itself. So it, there's no chance it could get crushed or anything like that. It's a sort of a channeled-out piece of uh, underlayment. And then once that's done, you can put your tile adhesive right on top of that and glue the tile to that underlayment. Okay, this is in an upstairs uh, bathroom, so we won't have access to the bottom side. What kind of a heater, heating system are you thinking about putting in? Is it going to be electric? It'll be electric. We have geothermal in the house itself, so we've got forced air heat, so it would have to be, I think they have some kind of like electric undermat or something like that. And also, I was wondering, is it best to just do the areas where the main traffic areas, you don't need to do the whole floor. Is that correct? No, you don't have to. I mean, it certainly is nice. I, you don't have to go around the toilet, for example. So, yeah, if you went in front of the sink and in front of the toilet and wherever you step out in the shower, then that should be fine. And, yeah, some of those electric heating systems are really nice. They don't use as much electricity as they used to. You can set them up on timers so they you know, heat up right before you go into the bathroom and then time out after that. Okay, so if I get this correct, you can just put like a... Uh a thin set concrete, and then put tile right down onto the subfloor. Is that right? With the heating mat underneath? Right. If it's nice and smooth, you can do that. If it's uneven, then there's a number of ways to smooth that out, either through an additional subfloor material or by setting mud underneath it. I appreciate your show. Thank you. Good luck with that project, Tim. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. 
Well, with all the water that we go through in the summertime, there are a lot of folks driving demand for water-efficient faucets, toilets, sprinklers, and more. But how do you know if the new water-efficient plumbing can really do the same job that you're used to? We're going to have the lowdown on low-flow faucets, fixtures, and sprinklers next. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. The Money Pit is presented by Rumblestone. Create a paper patio or walkway, garden retaining wall, grill enclosure, fire pit, or even an outdoor kitchen with Rumblestone from Pavestone. For project ideas and how-to videos, visit pavestone.com. Where home solutions live, this is The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we'd love to hear about what's going on in your Money Pit on this beautiful summer weekend. How's that cooling working out for you? Is it challenging? Is it not cooling the house and keeping it comfortable? That's a subject we can help with and so much more. Give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, presented by HomeAdvisor, the fast and easy way to find the right pro for any kind of home project, whether it's a small repair or a major remodel. All right, we've got Jerry in Massachusetts on the line who needs some help cleaning the basement. What can we do for you? Um, I've got some efflorescence on the uh, cement walls in the basement. For years, I, I when I built the house, I didn't put gutters up. I had overhangs, and uh, then it started developing. Somebody told me, hey, it's because you don't have any gutters. So I put them up right away, and uh, it didn't get any worse, but I'd like to clean that white efflorescence off 
and I didn't want to use muriatic acid. No, you don't need that at all. It's really simple. First of all, the uh, the stains that you have, the efflorescence, is just lime. It's mineral deposits that are left over when water comes through the wall and evaporates. So what you can simply do is brush that off as much as you can. Uh, you can use a stiff, a stiff like a wall brush for that, and then just use water and white vinegar together. Hot water and white vinegar. Vinegar will melt the salts. Do I have to rinse it down after? Eh, no, only if you don't want your house to smell like a salad. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not that, worried about that, but white vinegar can do it. Yeah, white vinegar does it. It'll melt the salts. It's a really good solution. Oh, I thought that, but I just want to check with you guys first. Yeah. You buy it by the gallon, you mix it with some hot water, and just you know brush it down. I'll try that. It should work. Thank you very much. All right. Good luck. If your water bill is making you woozy, you've probably been thinking about figuring out how to cut down on your water use lately. And the good news is that there are lots of folks driving demand for water-efficient products, and manufacturers now offer many options in products that really perform but save water at the same time. Richard Fathui is the plumbing and heating expert for TV's This Old House, and he's here now with the lowdown on low flow. Welcome, Richard. Hey, guys. So when most of us think about cutting back on water, water use, we immediately think that we're going to have to put up with a slow-flowing shower or a toilet that won't flush. But that's changed a lot, hasn't it? You know, that's right. Performance is really the buzzword now. When those low-flush toilets first came out, they didn't work as well as they should have. Now people are getting uh, water saving with the performance they expect. We used to call those the flush twice models. Yeah, <laughs> and it was, yeah it, they didn't quite work. I, I think the legislation... Uh, came ahead of the technology. We've caught up, though. Now we have uh, flush twice models, but for a, full, a whole different reason. We've got toilets now that literally have the button for a number one and, right. and a button right. for a it's number a, two. It's a dual flush, and that's a great invention because so often you only need it for the number one, not Most of the time, and so you really save quite a bit of water that way. Add that to the fact that the toilets now need less water altogether because of changes of design. The, the trap design had a lot to do that with that, didn't that's it? That's right. You, there's a certain physics you need in order to make that trap work. And the trap, of course, is sort of the path that the waste takes on the way out of the toilet. That's right. And the old ones were wider, but they were not glazed, and there were restrictions in those. You actually have to create a siphon inside of a toilet. You need enough water to be able to pull that water up into the upper part of the trap and then pull it back down again. And that physics wasn't worked out at the time the legislation came along. Right now, they work as good as we could ever dream. Now, speaking of legislation, uh, there's a program that's out not that many years now, very similar to Energy Star, called Water Sets. That's That's a good thing to look for, isn't it? Right. It's a certification from EPA, and it sort of becomes a clearinghouse on what products are sort of blessed and can perform the way they're supposed to. Theoretically, those are going to work and save, I think, up to 30% uh, more water. Let's talk about shower heads. Man, there's one thing you want in the morning is a good shower. You're almost willing to pay for that water right. out of the recreational budget. How are the low-flow shower heads working today? Well, I think anybody can remember those very first shower heads that came out where you got a fine spray that you didn't even know if really water was coming out. And the idea was that in order to save water, you had to suffer. And, <laughs> and now it is it, it feels as generous as any shower head. You know, we did one on Astisle House this year where it could come out at uh, one point five, but you could just hit a button on the side 
and it would be even less, and it still was a great shower. So you're talking about 1.5 gallons per minute. Per minute. And then when you shut it off, it defaulted back to the, the regular setting. So it lets you choose... Uh, what you wanted to do. But in either case, the shower was so generous that you didn't feel like you're suffering. Now, what about uh, aerators on faucets? Have they changed as well? They're really just like the shower heads now that, you know, in the earliest days, the extent of water saving was just to take the equivalent of a of a squashed dime and drill a small <laughs> hole in it <laughs> right. and hope that the water came out. But now they've got engineered aerators that give you that beautiful uh, flow uh, with a really low consumption. And the engineering really is the key. These guys have figured out how to use less water, but really have them perform just like the water-wasting uh, forerunners. That's right. The science has caught up with the legislation and almost all aspects of water conservation. So making these few simple changes can really add up to substantial water savings. They can. Now, Richard, replacing a toilet requires an investment. Same with faucets, uh, you know, same with shower heads. What if we want to just do something with what we have right now? Is there anything that we can sort of add to our existing plumbing system that'll help us save some water? Well, if you've got a toilet that's an old-style toilet and you want to make it more water-saving, there's a really cool device that allows you to turn it into a dual-flush unit in a retrofit. Okay, and dual-flush, of course, that means half-flush or full-flush? That's right. And so you have to change both the flush valve, the thing that makes the water go, leave the tank and go down to the bowl, okay. but also the fill valve, the thing that the valve that makes the water refill into the tank. You change them both. They're about $25. You've got a pretty a modern toilet. Covers you for both number one and number two. There you go. Richard Rathui, the plumbing contractor on TV's This Old House. Thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Great to be here. Catch the current season of This Old House and Ask This Old House on PBS. For local listings and a step-by-step video on this project and others, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House and Ask This Old House are brought to you on PBS by The Home Depot. Just ahead, between sky-high electric bills and expensive heating costs to come, is this the year you're finally getting ready to replace those leaky or drafty windows? We're going to have tips on the best way to get that project done in today's Pro Project, presented by HomeAdvisor.com, next. You live in a body pit. The Money Pit is presented by HomeAdvisor. Find trusted home improvement pros for any project at HomeAdvisor.com. Making good homes better, this is The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, presented by HomeAdvisor. You can find out what it costs to do your home project before you hire a pro and instantly book one of HomeAdvisor's top-rated pros for free. Mary in Wisconsin, you've got the money pit. What can we help you with today? I'm redoing my basement, and I'm wondering about flooring. Um, it has had a rubber-backed carpet, which has been taken up, so we're down to the concrete. And I'm just wondering what would be a good thing to put back down on the floor there. So rubber-backed carpet was kind of popular at one point in time, but generally speaking, we don't recommend carpet for basements because they're so damp. You can build up a lot of uh, uh, of, of debris down there that can cause allergic reactions. You get dust mites and, and all that sort of thing that will nest in the carpet. So I would look to a smooth surface material. So your options might be laminate floor, which is beautiful. It could look like hardwood floor or tile. Um, it's made of different composite materials. It's it's very, very tough surface. 
and it floats. It doesn't. It's not glued down. It floats on top of the floor. Or you could choose a special type of hardwood floor called engineered hardwood. Now, solid hardwood would not be recommended for a basement because it's too moist, but engineered is made up of different layers of hardwood. It kind of looks like the guts of it kind of look like plywood, but the surface, it looks like a regular hardwood floor. You can't really tell the difference once it's down. And I think that would be a good option as well. Um, I really like the carpet down there. <laughs> Use area rugs. You're just going to be sad. It's just going to cause a lot of problems. It's going to make you feel yucky. It's going to feel damp down there. And it's a very dated look today, too. I mean, things have changed in terms of decor. And I, I think the solid surface uh, of a laminate floor or an engineered hardwood floor would, would be much more um, common today. Is there something feasible in a price range, though? Yeah, I mean, laminate floor is really affordable. You, you can get that for as little as maybe four bucks a square foot. Yeah, you know what? Go online. I've seen laminate flooring just south of $2 a square foot. So there's really some great options that are very affordable out there. Okay, thank you. Well, between sky-high electric bills and expensive heating costs that are going to start to pile up in just a few months, is this the year you're finally getting ready to replace your leaky or drafty or otherwise inefficient windows? You know, that's a job that's best left for a pro, but we've got a few tips to help make sure that project goes very smoothly. In today's Pro Project Tip, presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Yeah, first of all, I think it's important to understand the difference between a replacement window and a new construction window. Now, replacement windows are just that. They're custom-sized and designed to replace an old window, but they fit in the exact same size opening. Unlike new construction windows, there's no need to remove any siding. Right. Now, once you determine the pro you'll hire for the project, it's important to make sure the pro does the measuring for the new windows. Here's why. Some folks like doing this themselves, but I think it's a big mistake. All replacement window manufacturer specs for measuring can vary, but most importantly, if the pro measures for the window and it doesn't fit, guess what? It's their problem, and you're not going to have to buy an extra window because maybe you made an error in the measurement process. Now, once your installation day arrives, here's some things that you can do to help. I know the pros always like it if you've thought ahead and maybe get a jump start on things. So go ahead, remove all those window treatments and clear the window installation area as much as you possibly can. I'm not saying move a couch if you're all on your own. They can help you with that. But do what you can to make things accessible for them. You know, the installation process is pretty simple when it comes to this, but it will go much more smoothly if you get that area ready for them. Now, lastly, you want to make a rain plan, have a discussion, because you want to find out what your window installer's weather policy is and decide together on what the acceptable weather conditions are for your projects. Now, keep in mind that since replacement windows can be installed just, say, one or two at a time, it's not like your house is going to be stripped bare and, and open to all the elements like Swiss cheese. But you just want to make sure you have the conversation so that you guys know what's going on. If you get a rainstorm, there's no big surprises. True. Monsoons definitely do not install. Yeah. Bad day. <laughs> Bad day. And that is today's pro project tip presented by HomeAdvisor.com. With HomeAdvisor, you can get matched with top-rated home service pros in your area and compare prices, read verified reviews, and book appointments online all for free. No matter the type of job, HomeAdvisor makes it fast and easy to hire the best local pros. Eric in Arkansas is on the line and has a problem with smoke damage in his money pit. Tell us what's going on. Yes, I, I recently bought a foreclosure that's got some smoke and fire damage. And I was curious, is there a product or a special way that the walls need to be treated, uh, some kind of special primer 
to, to, to cover up the, the smoke damage, to get rid of the smell, or do I have to gut the whole thing? You know, one of the best primers for this particular purpose is made by Zinzer, and it's called BIN, B-I-N. And essentially, it's a synthetic shellac. And what it does is completely seal in the odor that's kind of soaked into that wall. So mm-hmm. if you do a really good job applying this type of a primer, I think that the odor will go away and you'll have a terrific um, base upon which to apply your sort of top coat of color. Okay, a Zinzer, is that what it's called? Zinzer is a manufacturer. The product is called BIN, B-I-N. Okay. Thank you very much. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Hey, do you have a floor that needs painting? Well, the type of paint you select for a floor project is actually quite different than the one you might use for just about everything else. We'll explain why after this. You live in a Money Pit. Where home solutions live, this is the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Standing by for your calls, your questions to 888 Money Pit, presented by Home Advisor. They really have the best local pros for any home service. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't matter what that project is, they make it fast and easy to find top rated pros. And there are no membership fees, it's 100% free to use. HomeAdvisor.com. All right, while you're here with us at the Money Pit, we love to jump into our community section where people post questions online and help those guys out. Josh in Nevada did just that. He writes, I'm going to paint the wood floor on my screened-in porch. Do you have a recommendation for what type of finish I should use? Also, how many coats should I use? It has no paint on it now, just old wood that I can sand if need be. Yeah, you know, Josh, that's a great project, especially for this time of year and for Floor paint, I always recommend oil-based or solvent-based finishes, the kind that you need solvents to kind of clean up with after. And here's why. I love latex paint for pretty much everything else in the house, inside and out. But when it comes to durability and, most importantly, abrasion resistance, you know, a paint that can really take that furniture being scraped over the floor, for example, as chairs maybe shift under a table or people have a rocker on the front porch and it just puts all of that friction over and over again as you use the rocker. You know, there's just nothing better than an oil-based finish for that. So I would definitely sand that old wood so you get rid of any of the loosed fibers of the wood that are on top. And then I would use a floor finish, a floor paint, because there is paint made specifically floor, but an oil-based floor paint. Give it a couple of coats, Make sure it dries thoroughly in between, and you'll be good to go for a very long time. I mean, I think it's amazing. There's even a product called porch and floor paint, you know, which is definitely made for just that. So buy the right product for it, and you'll be happy with it. And you know, while you're at it, Leslie, aren't there some beautiful uh, outdoor rugs now that are available for porch? I mean, it used to just be the fake green grass, but now you can get rugs that look like they may have been in a living room for that porch, or they stand up well the weather. There are so many new fibers that are meant to stand up to moisture, sunlight, humidity, all of that and be meant for outdoor usage and not only just meant for outdoor usage but you can keep them out there there's beautiful rugs and amazing patterns that are made from polypropylene granted they feel like a plastic and they look like a plasticky mat but they're gorgeously made in a ton of fun colors and then you'll find a traditional looking rug or even a sisal that's just made with a different type of fiber to really withstand outdoor usage. So go ahead and up that ante out in your screened-in porch and get furnishings and fixtures and things that are all made 
for that outdoor space to create this sort of extension of what your interior style looks like. That's the best use of that outdoor space. Absolutely. Right. Maria writes, I recently had my hardwood floors redone. The guys I hired apparently slopped varnish up to my white baseboards. I painted one coat over the baseboard, but the yellowish brown stain still shows through. Before I put another coat on, is there something else I should be doing? Yeah. When you get stains that come through successive layers of paint, the solution is very simple. You need to prime it first. You need to add a a layer of primer. So with baseboard, you probably can use a water-based primer for that. But if you don't put the primer on, those old stains will pull through the new finish quite simply. So just prime those spots where they slopped on the the varnish from the floor project, and you should be good to go. And they definitely did slop on that varnish, is what it sounds like. A little sloppy, yeah. (laughs) Good luck, Maria. Yeah, it's a technical term, sloppy. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. We hope that you are enjoying this beautiful summer day. If you've been thinking about home improvement projects, didn't have a chance to reach out to us, remember... You can contact us 24-7 at 888-MONEYPIT or always post your question online to the Money Pit community. We love to chat with you and help you move those projects forward. But for now, that's all the time we have. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't want to have to do it alone.